Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thanksgiving Day, 2023. November, Thursday, November 23rd, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words as they start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, his book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. It's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you like, and use it over and over again, absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. If you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. Secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581. And after you do that, press 1 on your phone. That'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. Alternatively, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh 
at mindshifters-academy.org, or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N.org. If we get that from you, we will address the comment or question or testimonial on the Internet show, and then as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time that happens so you can listen back to the archives for your input or feedback. And we greatly appreciate whenever anybody chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And if you would be so kind as to let us know how we can be of greater service, it would be appreciated. So here we are on Thanksgiving Day in the year 2023 and there's a lot to be grateful for for most people who have been trained to look through that filter one of my favorite teachers said about this that i can't yet find a way to be grateful for everything in my life and yet when i stop and think about it i can always find something to be grateful for and recently i was sent by one of my patients um, a link to a a five or nine minute video of of an outtake, no it wasn't an outtake, it was a clip of Brene Brown appearing on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday show. And the clip was about how Brene Brown, through her research or her studies, through her interviewing hundreds if not thousands of people, She's come to learn that whenever she's interviewing somebody and they talk about joy and they've got experience with deep joy, solid, connected joy, every last one of them talks about how the way to get to joy is to practice, to make a practice of gratitude, to actually focus on listing the things I'm grateful for, learning to look to appreciate what there is, whether it's just the breath of life being in me or comfortable surroundings or family and friends or possessions, whatever it is. And the practice of gratitude leads to joy. She also was talking in that clip about how most of us, at least in the Western world, have been trained to believe that joy is soon to be taken from us as soon as we feel it. And so joy is connected to foreboding for most of us. Most of us, as soon as we have a joyful experience, we look for, okay, when is it going to fall apart? When's the next shoe going to drop? When am I going to get punished for, you know, enjoying this too much or... I don't deserve, you know, for things to be going this well in my life, etc. So, on this day, we're encouraging people to talk about gratitude and joy. And I got permission from one of our group members to read an article that she had written and then sent to those of us in the group. And the title of this article is, Joy in Disguise by Erica Vega. At the beginning, she quotes from the Bible, 
the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, quote, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, close quotes. And the article reads, The day before I found out my daughter Dakota died, my boyfriend Derek lost his job. Even though Derek made most of our money, I didn't stress about it because I was happily pregnant. And Derek had always figured things out. At the ultrasound the following day, we heard the horrendous four words, there is no heartbeat. Those four words and the fact of it propelled us into another dimension. What? What? How had this happened? How could my baby be dead? I'm in the middle of experiencing some computer difficulties, so I'm going to have to interrupt this reading for just a moment. And start again in just a minute. So, reading from Joy in Disguise with Erica Vega. The ultrasound revealed there was no heartbeat. These four words propelled us into another dimension. What? How had this happened? How could my baby die? I labored 35 and a half hours, and I had Dakota on February 4th, 2022. The doctor seemed surprised every time I declined pain meds or alternative methods to quicken the labor. Why hurry it? What was I hurrying to? My daughter's funeral? A crying baby is the reward for many mothers. No such reward awaited me. The reward would have to be the labor itself. I get to give birth. I told myself this. I get to do this. I was training my mind. During labor, I stayed as physically and emotionally anchored to the experience as possible. I n-joyed it. Joy. Yes, that's right. I was in a state of joy. Lowercase j-o-y. Not happiness. Not excitement. Not contentment. Joy is a thing of the soul. I knew instinctively that submitting to the great mystery that governs all things and in feeling into the raw emotion of my loss, this would bring me to the incredible depth and richness of life. And it is from that mindset that I labored into my grief. I would feel it all. I cried day and night the first months such intensity of pain, rage, envy, bitterness, hatred, loathing, shame, despair. I wanted to be dead so I could be with Dakota, but I didn't want to die 
So what emotion is that? I was like a wild, rushing river. Weeks passed before I could look at Derek, really look at him in his pain, and even more time passed before he confessed that he waited until I fell asleep to bring his grief to the altar of our living room and sob deep into the night alone. During the day, he buried himself in electronics, frantically looking for work. When Dakota's due date came and went, a switch flipped. My concern was no longer on my loss, but on survival. We had almost no money. I pulled myself out of bed and went to work. I finally landed a job in October 2022. Weeks later, my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 bile duct cancer. A jolt into another dimension yet again. But this time it was different. I welcomed the jolt. I stepped into my role as caregiver, daughter, and power of attorney with a heightened sense of appreciation. I get to do this. I get to take care of my mom. Instead of feeding Dakota, I fed my mom her last meal. Instead of waking in the middle of the night to tend to Dakota's needs, I woke to administer my mom's pain meds. Moments after Dakota's birth, the labor room filled with an invisible presence. The spiritual presence, like my grief, was almost uncontainable. It pushed against the walls, pressured them to expand. I could hear silence. Nothing moved, yet everything grew. That same presence was there for my mom's death. The entire home expanding with a hovering chill. And twice, I caught glimpses out the corner of my eyes of my grandmother's who had passed years ago. The ancestors had come to journey my mom home. What for them was a celebration, for me was a sorrow. Just like when Dakota made her descent earthside. The ancestors came and carried me so I could carry my living family. I was now the breadwinner, a bereaved mom, a dutiful daughter. Derek was still searching for a way to untangle the wiring that crossed when he lost his job and then immediately lost his daughter. It took him 17 months to untangle it enough to get consistent work again. It was hard. It still is hard. On days when I don't want to get out of bed or struggle to brush my teeth or hate everyone, I have to remind myself I get to. I get to have this day. I get to brush my teeth. I get to hate everyone. Dakota's heart may have stopped beating, but mine has not. I get to live. I get to feel and experience and think. I get to ride the pendulum of life from grief to gratitude. The swinging of the pendulum, that's it, right there. Count the swinging of the pendulum. Count it all joy. By Erica Vega. And with her permission, I will reprint that and have it up on the mindshiftersacademy.org website.
under the educational materials with a couple other letters that I've posted there recently. So, joy, not just the glitzy happiness that our culture wants to sell us, but a deep, soulful connection to the value of life itself. When we were listening to the Q&A from The Way of Mastery, and these are available on audio files only if you buy the the original recordings of The Way of Mastery download, there was one that was titled something about the difference between happiness and joy. And it has the same basic observation that this joy is a deep connection to appreciation for life. And one can have joy even when one is in physical pain. One can be deeply connected to life even when one is deeply in grief. It isn't shallow, very temporary, heightened emotion that many people call happiness or joy. It is a deep, connected appreciation to your essence and that which gave rise to your essence. So this is a Thanksgiving 2023. We have plenty of time for comments or questions. If you're on the call now, you can press one on your phone and you can talk about anything we've talked about over the last almost 13 years now or what you're grateful for today. And in the absence of that, I'm going to go back and continue to read on the, from the third lesson, which we haven't even finished yet even though we're approaching our fifth or sixth show where we've been working on the way of mastery with commentary. So again, the call number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. Where we left off in the way of mastery in the third lesson was for the the last segment of that lesson. That lesson is titled The Power of Forgiveness. I was moved to look at this earlier today to look at last year when we read through the way of mastery. How many different hour-long shows did we spend talking about reading, going through with commentary, just this one lesson. And between the original reading of it with commentary and the reviews, I think there were 10 or 11 different hour-long shows, which will speak to you something of the pivotal importance in my mind of this lesson on the power of forgiveness and the idea that the way of mastery holds the same core teaching about forgiveness as the Kabor's manuscript and the Course in Miracles as presented by Dr. Michael Rice and his teachings and as is encapsulated in and so beautifully communicated through 
the Reality Management Worksheet, which is available absolutely free on the whyagain.org website. So to approach this last segment, it talks about ending your day. And as soon as I read that title of this last segment, I think about another of Dr. Michael Rice's lectures. He talks about getting the stress you need. And in that lecture, talking about getting the stress you need, he talks about canceling every unachieved goal as you go to bed at night and simply asking to be shown how to have a restful night's sleep after you've consciously canceled every unachieved goal. Now, this is rooted in the observation that when we set a goal, the way our minds work is our minds hold on to that, either at a conscious, a subconscious, or an unconscious level, and looks for a way to achieve that goal. And the only way it stops being held in our mind is that we either achieve it or we take the conscious, logical mind energy, this creative force, we take it to focus and cancel the goal. We give our mind the instruction to let go, to put it down, to cancel, to dismantle. And he talks about how many times when he's presented that workshop, people who've been in attendance, who've been high-level managers and salespeople and executives, they come to him the next day and say, oh my gosh, I haven't had that good a night's sleep ever that I can remember since being an adult. So the power of canceling our goals comes to mind the moment I read the heading for this last segment of Chapter 3 in the Way of Mastery, Ending Your Day. And here's what the text says. It is very, very important to let each day be sufficient unto itself. When you end your day, always truly end it. Do not take four hours of ritual. You can do it with a breath. As you take a deep breath, as you rest your head upon the pillow, look upon the whole day, embrace it with your consciousness, and as you let your breath go, say silently to yourself, I release and forgive this day. It has been perfect and it is done. Now, in this wording, he uses very simply the word forgive. And if you go back to the beginning of this lesson, he says forgiveness is a process of dismantling false perceptions. So I let go of everything that I might have used as data points or as a process of perception that would create anything less than loving in my experience. what has happened. Dr. Tim's dropped off the switchboard, so I'm not sure if his phone connection messed up or what. We'll give him just a few minutes 
to dial back in and hopefully he will have enjoyed listening to the way of master I was going to ask him if he gets dialed back in the name of the lady that he was reading the letter from or the article oh there you are Dr. Tim I was just telling him that I saw you dropped off the switchboard would give you a few minutes but before you get back into reading, what was the name of the lady that you were reading that letter from or the article from? This is a member of our support group for seven or eight oh. years now. She's come and gone in our oh. support group. And her name is Erica, E-R-I-C-A, Vega, V-E, V as in Victor, V-E-G-A. Well, that was beautiful. I hope that um, she says you can post that because I'd like to read it again. And I will silence yes, myself is. so you can continue. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, clicking in here. I am I am uh, out of town and on a cell phone, and somebody, I think two different calls came in at the same time and kicked me off. So thank you for being there. You are welcome. In and I'll get... I will get back to the uh, reading here of the last segment of the third lesson where we are asked to, when we end our day, always end it. Let it go, just let it go. And the text reads, why? Why would you just let it go? Well, because if you do not, you will just bring it with you. You know that experience? Three weeks after your something's happened, you're still lamenting. Oh my gosh, why did I make that decision three weeks ago? If I'd only made a different decision, then this would not have happened and then that would not have happened. Fact is, that's probably true. But the point is now three weeks later, you're still hitting yourself over the head by bringing the past with you. And in that process, you miss the glory of the present. You've all heard it a thousand times because it's the truth. Consciousness is a very subtle and powerful thing. You cannot help but create. This is exactly what Dr. Michael Rice talks about when he talks about the essence of the the first words in the line of Genesis, in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh, And Dr. Michael Rice says, the more accurate translation from the ancient Aramaic is, in the beginning was the mind energy. And the mind energy becomes flesh, becomes material, is a creative force. And each and every one of us have been given the ability to initiate and focus mind energy. And when we have that mind energy, awareness of its creative ability, we can direct it. And here it says, in the end of the third lesson, consciousness is a very subtle and powerful thing. You cannot help but create. Remember that the goal of this pathway is to learn to deliberately create with perfect mastery. Therefore, look upon the things of your day and say, okay, I've created this. It's very good, and it's finished. Each night when you rest your head upon the pillow and you know you're about to go off to sleep, 
be just like the creator in your biblical story of creation in which it is written that on the seventh day the creator rested. The creator was finished in a sense with the story and within that story. So have that same quality at the end of each of your days. If you're carrying some kind of emotional reaction because of something someone said or did or something you said or did, practice forgiveness before you sleep. Practice dismantling any attachment you have to the perceptions you've created and laid on top of the experience of the flow of life. If you do not, you will keep experiencing the conflicted energies during your dream state. And communication between you and the other one, whoever that is, that has not been forgiven or dismantled, that connection and communication will keep going on until forgiveness is complete within you, until the dismantling of your attachment to that creation of yours, to that perception of it, has been dismantled within you. The text goes on. It is very important, highlighted the word very. Time should never be taken frivolously. Play with it, yes, but play with it out of consciousness, out of clarity, out of recognizing that there is no such thing as an idle thought. Each thought creates a world of experience for you, and you are worthy of experiencing heaven. We will have much more to say about forgiveness as we begin to plumb the depths of what is discovered. As you practice forgiveness 70 times, seven times, it takes you deeper and deeper into the very mechanics of consciousness itself, the very mechanics of creation. Put forgiveness at the top of your list until you know how perfectly forgiven you are. In other words, how your true essence is not colored by your perception or anybody else's, is not colored by judgment. You remain as you were created to be. This book says that over and over and over again. And with the purity of that direct experience of your true nature, there is no distortion of perception, there is no judgment, there is no negativity. So, Be therefore vigilant against denying whatever is still in need of forgiveness or dismantling within you. For what you deny, you will project. And each projection is a hurtful act to yourself. Of course, it's also hurtful to the other, but primarily to yourself. There's much that has been said in this lesson that needs to be read again and again so that the mind begins to truly grasp how important and how powerful forgiveness is. You will reach a place where you absolutely delight in going through your day expressing forgiveness, like a wave emitting itself from the ocean of your consciousness. Even if nobody is doing anything, forgiveness itself becomes a delightful energy to live within. Because in this work, forgiveness is the process of looking for and immediately stopping and dismantling judgment. Forgiveness is the opposite of judgment. Forgiveness in that sense is allowance and surrender. Forgiveness is full intention 
on experiencing the flow of life as it is, as creation. The text goes on and reads, Beloved friends, forgive yourself well, and you have forgiven Christ. In other words, dismantle any negative perception that you have about yourself or anyone else, and you've dismantled any negative perception you will have that would block you from tuning into the Christ mind. When Christ is forgiven, Christ will arise and make his home in your heart. Your mind and even in the cells of your body will be filled with the energy of the Christ mind. You will know what it means to walk in this world and yet not be of this world. And when you look in the mirror, you'll say, behold, the Savior appears. Because there won't be any distortion of judgment. There won't be any thinking that you are better or worse than anyone else. There will be only the direct seeing of creation looking at creation, of love looking at love, at love extend, expanding, extending and expanding itself in the realm of form. The text goes on and says, it will not be egoic arrogance that says it, but the recognition of what is always true. I am the creator's child, and I'm sent into this world to bring light to it. I am the light of the world. I am the light of creation. And when you have dismantled every judgment, every distortion, every perception taught to you by your family and the world, culture, you have direct experience of your true nature. The last paragraph in this lesson reads, Before you, therefore, be you, therefore, at peace. Practice this process of dismantling false perceptions and practice it well until it becomes like taking a breath. You will discover the power that you did not know could exist and a freedom whose taste is sweet above honey. I forgive you. I dismantle every false notion about you, not because I've judged you, but because I know the blessing that forgiveness brings to me. Forgiveness is something I perfected as a man. Perfect it within yourself as well, and you will know the glory of the Christ mind. Be you therefore at peace, beloved friend. Amen. The dismantling of perception. And as we talked about before, my Western mind, my conscious logical mind, jumps up and says, well, what happens? What do I do then? So what if I dismantle perception? Then what? How do I relate to the world? How do I experience anything? And the answer is that I ask to be shown. I move into the active pursuit of direct observation. I awaken to the possibility that there's far more going on here than is registering with my five senses. I realize that even the scientists, the hard scientists that our culture has come to, 
basically elevate to the level of a, a deity, that they recognize that there's a lot more going on in this world than our five senses can register. And there's a there's a crazy, there's an insanity in those scientists that say, well, if you can't see it, measure it, and hear it, if you can't taste it and touch it, it's not real. There's an insanity to that because in their own work they know that our five senses can't see ultraviolet light or infrared light, that our five senses can't hear as much as a dog or a wolf and can't see what some animals see, and in quotes, related to magnetic fields and gravitational fields. So they navigate thousands of miles of flight or, you know, hoofed um, migration. So these scientists know that your five senses are not seeing all there is, that you're swimming in a sea of energies, radio waves, television waves, microwaves, x-rays, gamma waves, etc. So to think in terms of, I'm only going to use what hits my senses and I'm going to perceive what's right. And when I make a decision based on that and a judgment based on that, I'm right and anybody who disagrees with me is wrong. There's an insanity to that. And this work, like so many other great spiritual teachings, is calling us to wake up to that insanity and to learn to live in the question, as Rilke would call us to, to learn that there's a way to be in the world and not of the world, to not be in judgment, to not be in contraction, to learn to go with the flow. I remember reading the book by David E. Martin, Lizards Eat Butterflies, and he talks in that book about how we have 12 cranial nerves. We have five cranial nerves that correspond to the five senses of taste and touch and sight and sound and physical sensation and hearing. And we have seven other cranial nerves. Are they just a mistake? Did they just develop for no reason? Or did they develop to help us tune into and make use of or integrate information from other levels of perception that are not as heavy-handed, they are not as in our face, they aren't as tactile, they aren't as auditory, and yet they're ex- every bit is real. So that perhaps one of those seven cranial nerves is far more useful for tapping into intuition or divine inspiration. Perhaps one of those cranial nerves is far more useful for tapping into magnetic fields or the gravitational fields. Perhaps one of those cranial nerves is far more useful for tapping into the energies of the heart that are mapped in the heart map, in the heart mass science that 
studies the electromagnetic fields around the heart as being so many, many times stronger than the electromagnetic fields around any other part of the body, including the brain. So what this work and this process of forgiveness is calling us to is the dismantling of perception and begin with dismantling any perception that leads us in judgment, that leaves us feeling negativity, that leaves us feeling tightness or tension, that leaves us in any way comparing ourselves to anyone or anything, whether it's another person or an ideal of what we should be. Because in that moment, when we compare ourselves to an ideal or, or someone else, we are judging that we are not enough. We have moved out of alignment with what is true. And, and this book, right here in the third lesson, talks about what's, what's in alignment with what is true. The flow of life and love and compassion and that deep sense of joy. What's out of alignment? Anything negative, any judgment. Every time you judge, you take yourself to the other side of the universe from where you say you want to be. So how do I live if I'm not going to judge, if I'm not going to rely on my physical perceptions? What's suggested right here in the third page or fourth page of this lesson is that we ask to be shown in all situations, no matter what is happening, no matter what another person is doing, we ask our inner guidance. And maybe it's one of the, tw the seven remaining cranial nerves that's there to help us tune into this. We ask, Holy Spirit, we ask God, light, love, truth, what would you have me say? What would be the most important thing to offer my brother or sister or this other soul in this moment? What would you have me say or do that can serve best the healing of my other companion's heart, my brother or sister, the other being of brilliance and light who's in this moment with me? Can we learn to live more in the question? Is it a viable thing? Practice this for yourself. Try it out. Is it viable to live your life questioning everything and not knowing anything? Some people say, yes, I've had the experience that it's improved the quality of my life by leaps and bounds. But you may find, no, that you need to hold on to your judgments and your negativity and your anger. I've actually had people in our support groups over the years. It's been 19 years now. We've seen a lot of different people come and go. I've seen some very bright, very successful people who want to argue and shout me down saying they need their anger. They need their anger to feed their creativity or they need their anger to be motivated or they need their anger to protect their family. So you might find differently if you play with this work, if you engage the experiment that's being offered. What about looking at your life in a completely different way? What about learning to live asking, what is this moment teaching me? What about just questioning for yourself, could it possibly true be true that I am literally creating everything that I choose and nothing is being forced upon me? What about these three axioms? What about 
the idea that just in the fifth page of this book, they offer the first axiom, which says, I only experience the effects of my choices. Well, I, you know, I'm basically taught the exact, the exact opposite in my Western world. So what if I choose an experiment for the next few months or six months and I say, or maybe this whole year, you know, we're getting near the, the, the ending of one calendar year and beginning of another one. Maybe you say, hey, for this year, I'm going to practice observing and questioning. Could it be true that this first axiom is viable? And the first axiom is stated as, quote, nothing you experience is caused by anything outside of you. You only experience the effects of your own choice. And of course, right, up, right away, say, okay, that doesn't seem to be true. My conscious logical mind wants to argue against that all day and all night. But this work says, listen, this isn't about your conscious logical mind. This is about the heart. This is about the awakened heart which was intended to be leading your life. And the awakened heart understands it doesn't know much. It doesn't hold things in it and then live from those things it's holding because those are things that have been accumulated from the past. And when we live from that, we're living in the past. So the awakened heart learns to live in the present moment with active questioning. And what if it begins to question? Okay. What about the first and second axiom? What about questioning? What if I am created as my father created me to be? What if I'm free? What if nothing sources my experience but me in each moment? What if nothing has an effect upon me whatsoever except for that which I choose to allow to affect me? What if I need do nothing? What if I'm perfectly free to choose in each moment what to do and not do? And yes, everything I choose will have consequences, and yet I'm free to choose. What if I begin to live in adding to those first two axioms the third axiom, which is that I do not live any ordinary moments. What if every moment I'm experiencing is an extraordinary gift of life of the Creator? What if, with each breath, everything that comes, everything that I experience, these are the stepping stones laid before me from the, from the Creator to bring me home? What if I can bring my awareness to each moment and allow it to teach me about myself, about life, about how to dismantle false perceptions? about how to embrace life itself, about how to extend love and therefore live fully in each moment. What if that's a possibility? Maybe I will enter into this next period of time, six months, a year, questioning this for myself day in and day out. And just watch how my life unfolds and learn for myself if there is a different way, perhaps a way that I would prefer to experience the gift of life. Perhaps I could say, as Erica Vega said in her article, 
joy in disguise. Perhaps I could say the next time something is occurring that creates a, a sadness, a, a physical disruption, a, what I would consider a loss of, of something, that I can say to myself, I get to do this. I get to be here. I get to be alive. I get to feel this discomfort or this tension. I get to experience this loss. I get to assist my brother or sister through their time of great loss. That's our invitation over and over again. The healing exercise that's offered in the middle of this chapter, I am the source of my experience. Anytime I experience a disturbance, I turn inside and I recognize I am the source of my experience. If I'm feeling disturbed, I ask inside myself what needs to be released, what needs to be dismantled, what needs to be healed. I can breathe deeply and rhythmically. I can let my body soften. I can notice where it's been trained over time to tighten and tense, and I can breathe and soften those areas in my body and the energy system. And I can ask myself, okay, so what am I making this situation mean? What interpretation have I placed on this other person's actions or energy? How is that interpretation that I'm choosing of the same resonance with, resonance with a pain or a discomfort in me? So it's bringing it to my awareness. It's adding energy to what I brought with me in this moment. Oh, I get it. This person is being judgmental. This person is being impatient. This person is being hateful. Oh, I must be judging myself negatively for having done the same or similar thing somewhere in the past. Let me ask about that within myself. Let me be willing to go back to that earlier time in my life, whether it was two weeks ago or 20 years ago, and see my situation without the judgment, without the labeling, without the distortion. Let me expand my acceptance and allowance as I look at myself from an earlier time and see, oh my gosh, at this point in time, I was only X number of years old. I really didn't know much. I was you know, giving into this pressure from the outside. I was striving for that. I was in pain myself. And I have compassion for that earlier time. When I did the thing that today I'm still judging myself negatively for, and when I dismantle that negative judgment of myself for that earlier time, when I come back to the present moment and open my eyes and look at or evaluate this other person and this other energy, I will have compassion for them. I will see them as another being of brilliance and light who is either temporarily forgotten or yet to discover their brilliance. I will see them as another spark of the divine consciousness that in this moment has forgotten that they know how to do and get anything they would say they need without hurting anybody else. This 
is an exercise we're invited to. Every day at the end of the day, release everything that you think you want. Breathe and soften and ask to be shown how to have a restful night's sleep. Open yourself. Learn to live more in the state, in the space of being wide open. Take the word vulnerable out of your vocabulary. Understand that your essence can never be hurt, can never be chipped, dented, rusted, faded, or broken in any way. That you remain as you were created to be. That you are the spark of consciousness expressing in form. Later on, this, this work is going to say, look, the next time somebody asks you who you are, don't keep identifying with yourself as something small, as something wounded, as something political or something sexual. The next time anyone asks you who you are, tell them the truth. What's the truth? The way this book talks about it, the truth is you remain as you were created to be. You are the spark of the creator's energy and the energy of love expressing in form. And we'll get to this later in the fourth lesson, but I just want to put this here. What we're stepping into in this idea of being wide open and understanding we don't have any true vulnerability. Our essence is not vulnerable and can't be hurt in any way. So the next time somebody tells you or asks you, hey, uh, who are you? Don't give them a name. Don't say, well, I was born over here in this state and in this part of the country. Don't tell them that you're a Democrat or a Republican or a communist or an atheist or a Catholic. Don't, don't limit yourself to these judgments and labels. Tell them the truth. Who am I? I am the extension of the creator's energy of love in form. I have never been born and I will never taste death. I'm infinite and eternal. I shine forth as a sunbeam to the sun. I am the effect of the Creator's love, and I stand before you to extend that love to you. That's what we're being invited to step into. The awake, awareness, questioning, observation at a deep level without judgment. The highest form of wisdom, according to Krishnamurti, to be able to live in direct observation and drop all judgment. It's just a part of what this path offers us, invites us to. And, again, we're encouraged to engage this path wide open, breath-moving, lovingly, gently, playfully, with great joy, with great awareness of our connection to our source. At all times, you can never be separate from your creator. You can have the dream of being separate, and yet it's not possible for you to be other than the, whatever the creator created you to be. You're whole and complete just as you are, Nothing of value can be taken from you. Nothing of value can be added unto you. And we are glad you're here on this journey with us. And I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of this stuff that we call love. 
we actually are love and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Have a wonderful day, and um, we'll check in again tomorrow. All right. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio, and today is Thanksgiving Day, and it is November 23rd, 2023. Our call-in number is 563-999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you into queue. Today is our day of Thanksgiving, the day of gratitude. Hopefully, everybody is grateful, 365 um, but today is the day we celebrate that. And as soon as Michael gets connected, we will begin our show. And we hope that if you're with us today, that you will press one and you will share with us what you were grateful for. And uh, he's dialing in, so we'll give him just a minute. And uh, we're glad that you were with us today. We hope that you have a blessed time with family, if you're going to be with family. And if you are alone on this Thanksgiving Day physically, know that you are not alone. We are with you, and we hold the space for everyone to have a good day today and every day. And as soon as he dials in... Okay, Um, I am going to start off reading something that I wrote, um, and I read it every year, except I edit it according to changes that have taken place during the year. So, another year of challenge and change, and yet grateful for so much. Dad passed away in March. He translated into spirit right before our eyes, and I am thankful I was a witness to that moment. He's now healthy and at peace after so long in a physical body and mind that could not cooperate with what he would have wanted. We have chosen to remain in Bristol, staring in the care of our granddaughter, Aria, for the past five years. She has been an awesome teacher, and we are continuing um, to learn from her as well. We continue with our vegetable gardening and starting our pollinator garden this year, and that has gone really well. Michael's been working Tremendously hard getting it ready for the winter. And uh, I'm thankful we have enough of everything we need. And thankful we have been protected and taken care of and supported when things seem darkest. Thankful to feel the presence of love and know that all is okay and that we can walk on water in the midst of the storm. Even though I often want other things that I don't have, I am most grateful for what I have that sometimes I take for granted. I want to focus on the fact that I am thankful for Yahweh, God, and the love that he gave to the world and for Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, for showing the way. I am able to freely worship in spirit and truth and honor my creator. Thank you, God. By the way, he is both my Savior and Lord, and there is a big difference between those two. I may not be wealthy, but I can pay my bills and I live comfortably, although simply, and many people cannot say that. I'm thankful for my abilities, for the jobs that I have had and the experiences and the growth, for the money I needed when I needed it, the ability to earn it instead of begging for a handout. 
While I attempt to be perfect, yeah, right. I do make mistakes, and I'm thankful for the gentle lessons given to me instead of a two-by-four, the trials and challenges that give me the opportunity to forgive once more. I am thankful for my degree in psychology and that I was able to finish college in 2013 and thankful for what I learned as well as what I was able to share with my professors and fellow students. I am thankful for the potential that is mine. I am thankful for good air and sunshine, even the rain and snow, and clean water to drink and wholesome food to eat. I'm thankful for a bed to sleep in and a roof over my head. I am thankful for the ability to laugh, to feel safe and secure. I am thankful that I survived and learned from times when things were not so safe and secure. I am thankful for the time to see and do all the things that we do see and do. Time to share, time to love, time to be. I am thankful for the vehicles we have. Neither one of them is new, but they serve the purpose very well. I am glad I have a cell phone and computer, even though electronics do present challenges. I am able to stay connected with those who I am away from more than I could without that technology. I'm thankful that we have been able to use this technology to do workshops and intensives virtually when things shut down due to COVID. We had to stop the travel and close up Heartland, and yet we can move forward. I am thankful for experiencing love within myself and from family and friends. It is source that we move through on this planet and what sustains us in times of challenge. But I'm thankful for the technology we have today that allows us to see all over this great planet and experience things that once were not even imagined. That includes television, internet, radio, telephones, computers, but also the technology of cars and trains and planes. The opportunities we have today are immense and I am thankful for them and for the shoulders we stand on, those who invented these things. I am glad I know how to read and write. These two skills have helped me move through my life more easily and have afforded me employment that otherwise I could not have gotten. I'm thankful for simple things in life, the crackle of a fire, a shooting star, the glow of the moon, the warmth of the sun, the smell of pine, the sound of laughter, the smile of a child, the beauty of the mountains and valleys, rolled hay, sitting still in the field, newborn calves gaining their footing, the sunset, the sunrise, the rainbow which reminds us of God's promise, for sand on the ocean shore, the rolling waves and salty breeze, for the falling snow that covers the trees and ground, making all things beautiful and at peace. I appreciate people I meet. Once strangers become new friends and support, cherished ones become dearer each time we meet. I'm thankful for family reunions, get-togethers, holidays, camping, or simply shopping and chatting. While we did not do many of these things for a couple of years due to COVID, we stayed connected through FaceTime and calls and emails. Being able to express my thoughts and feelings freely, the liberty afforded this country, I am thankful for those, including my dad and brothers, who have been willing to take a stand for this country and the people in it. I wish for a time when people awaken to do something different than war. I'm thankful for laughter and tears, to express without words. And more than that, I have so many people who hear the unspoken that comes from my heart and they genuinely care. I'm thankful that I am above ground one more day. I'm thankful for the morning and the night. 
thankful for conveniences of running water and indoor toilets. Although I enjoy being at Grandma and Granddad's house when they didn't have these luxuries, I'm glad that I do. I'm glad I can so easily obtain groceries and gas and that we have electric heat instead of having to build a fire. I am glad we have fireplaces and fire pits for pleasure, though. I love air conditioning in my home and car. I love to simply flip a switch and the room is illuminated in light. I'm thankful for the experiences at Grandma and Granddad's to learn how to milk cows, gather eggs, put up salted meat, turn butter, haul hay, grade tobacco, make molasses, harvest, and plant. Many of these skills will never be used again by me, but I am glad that I learned them. I am thankful for the gardens we have made here and the abundance of food that we have gotten from our labor and the earth. I am thankful for my mind and that it can think, remember, and figure and have discernment. I have both knowledge and wisdom. I am thankful that I have all five senses. I can see, hear, feel, taste, smell. I even have a sixth sense of intuition which alerts me when I pay attention to it. I'm thankful to hear a loved one's voice, to see their sweet face, to taste country cooking, to feel the touch of a hand or lips on mine, and to smell flowers in the spring. I'm thankful for traveling and seeing so many parts of the planet. And I'm thankful for home. I'm glad we have theaters, plays, bowling, skiing, hiking, biking, swimming, music, and so many other ways to entertain ourselves. I am thankful for the silent time when I can meditate and just be. I was blessed with phenomenal parents who gave me life. Mom... Mom Breathing with you, sweetie. Breathing with you. 2017, and Dad went on March the 18th, 2023. I am thankful I had them as long as I did. I wish they had been longer, but they were ready to go. I have a son who is beyond words. He is my pride and joy. I have to change the page here. It won't let me see the whole thing. I have a son who is beyond words. He is the pride and joy of my life. He's the answer to my prayers. He's the presence of God made manifest. I was able to give birth and then have been able to watch him grow into a fine young man. I have a lovely daughter in love who loves me back and supports and loves my son. Together, they have they have been wonderful friends, partners, and parents. Now, I've been blessed with the most precious granddaughter, Aria Rain. From the moment I laid eyes on her when she was just minutes on this planet, I felt my being expand. I'm thankful she's so perfect and healthy, and it's an added bonus that she is so beautiful and sweet. I'm blessed to keep her two to three days a week and be part of her growing, learning, and experiencing the love that she is and her reflecting that back to me. I have a marvelous partner, Michael, who shares life with me. We met 20 years ago and celebrate being married 18 and a half years now. We have traveled together, do workshops and intensives together, and play together. 
He is presently supporting me so lovingly to the point of rearranging his work life in 2018 to stay here in Bristol to support Dad and Aria. Our romantic relationship is fulfilling and he often takes my breath away only to give it back and remind me to breathe. He has two great children and their spouses and three beautiful granddaughters. One just arrived in 2022, who I am privileged to share a portion of their lives with. His family has embraced me. I wish we were closer geographically to spend more time with them. I have two other amazing stepsons that have been in my life for 45 years. And they call me mom, even though I never asked them to. That's pure acceptance. Their mom has embraced me as well, and we are good friends. I have two beautiful step-grandchildren through them, too. And again, I wish we were closer geographically, so it's just been more time with them. I was blessed with three fabulous brothers who call me sis. They have awesome wives and kids, some of who also God has truly blessed this entire family. My eldest brother, only 14 months older than me, passed away in 2020, giving us all a wake-up call of how precious our time here together is. He now dances with mom and dad and others who have gone on. I have friends and loved ones who I know I can call on anytime. And while we may not see each other that often, we remain close. I'm thankful for that caring. I have a lot of people in my life that I consider friends, but more than the number of friends, I have a great number of them who are close enough to hear my heart and hold me in love even when I'm in my stuff. They hear when there are no words spoken. They see me. I'm thankful for my health, which is good, and my body that serves me well more times than not. I am thankful that (laughs) Michael knows this story. I am thankful that I'm not too difficult to look at. We met on eHarmony in 2003, and he asked me what I looked like because I hadn't posted a picture, and that was my response to him. (laughs) I'm thankful for my physician and dentist and pharmacy that they are willing to listen and do something other than medication. They are really healers. I am thankful that there is modern means of doing surgery, etc., when necessary. I'm glad I have clothes to wear and shoes on my feet. A coat and gloves and boots in the winter, shorts and sandals in the summer. I'm glad my clothes are also stylish as well as functional. I'm thankful for the diversity in our world, the cultures that give color to the universe, all cells in one body. I am thankful for those who have taught me along the way. My grandparents, parents, teachers, preachers, spouses, siblings, children, grandchildren, friends, and acquaintances for their time and their energy. I am thankful I can dream. I am thankful for the innocence of children to remind me who I am. I'm thankful for today, our Thanksgiving Day, we will be spending with some of our family. I am thankful all of me, Jeannie. And then there was, uh, I get several uh, daily devotional things and one that came across today from Edgar Casey says let this day of thanksgiving be not only that wherein to joy that which may satiate the body that which may make for the gratifying of appetites of the body 
but that day when each of you may give thanks to God for being alive with opportunities to raise your voice in prayer, in praise, in thanksgiving for the love the Creator has shown that the Creator showers upon you day by day. And now it is your turn, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. And I'll add to all of that list my gratitude for your genius. So many things engaging in this work, you know, from this show couldn't happen without you developing the app. And the awesome presence of your being in my life blesses me every day. Challenges me occasionally, but blesses me mostly. (laughs) So deep appreciation to you, sweetheart. (laughs) Thank you. Only very, very rarely do Jeannie and I ever challenge each other. Right, honey? (laughs) It's not as often as you do. You're supposed to fit. No, it's not as often as it used to be. Uh, definitely our work has uh, has uh, produced fruit of uh, a lot of sweetness. So. Breathing with you. It would have been a blessing if we'd have been able to be as close to your mom when she passed instead of being on the road as we were with your dad as you talk about that. Some of that residual grief moves. Yeah. At least we, you know, were, with mom it was such a shock because it wasn't expected at all. Um, yeah, yeah. But with dad, you know, we had that preparation time and, and even able to give him the permission to go on when we knew that it was yeah. close. So joining you in receiving those blessings and doing the best we can to pass our blessings on to the world, I, with you, I really wish that um, somehow we could bring my children and their families closer here, or we could pick our family up and move there, but there are just too many links in each place for that to happen. So so we'll settle for and the time that we get and the vacations we spend together and the time we spend on the phone. We watched... Uh, and I'm thankful that we have film. FaceTime because we can when we talk with them, like we get to watch Kaylee Joe taking her first running through the house and <laughs> her yeah, squealing at yeah. the excitement. And, and of course, Adeline and, and Avery fight over the phone so they can run through the house with it. That one sometimes is a little challenging to watch. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. But we're blessed. So extending that blessing in your direction if you're listening today, and we'd love to hear from you about what's blessing you. What are you appreciative of? What's uh, what's Thanksgiving going to be for you? We spent the day yesterday making uh, vegan gravy, 
we'll cook our uh, our corn fake turkey roast today and have about I'm not even sure how many 20 or so family members coming together around three o'clock to uh, to share the holy day and invite everybody you know well while the culture breaks that word you know kind of connects that word to holiday and makes it a lot of time for well let's get drunk let's you know party to remember that uh, the solemnity the the aspect of really taking time to tap into and appreciate the blessings that we have and uh, the abundance that we have is just monumental appreciation for those who were on this land before we came here we just finished watching a series on Amazon called Jamestown and how sad and unfortunate some of the insanity that uh, was done to the Native Americans and sadly continues to be done in the name of somebody filling their pockets in the name of codependent need for the, the codependent need for power and control and domination and other people's stuff pretty bizarre pretty crazy so it was a good reminder to uh, to watch that series it was a three-year series it was well done some, some powerful scenes and some powerful opportunities to bring things up and heal but I certainly reach my appreciation back to those who were on this land when we Westerners came interesting that uh, some of the Native American languages have many many words that are identical to the Aramaic words which leads me to believe in and this includes the Hawaiians the uh, Native Americans who I believe were probably what were called the lost tribes of Israel the people who scattered around the earth or just too many words for it to be coincidence that uh, this word exists in the Lakota Sioux language and exists in the Aramaic language and has the same meaning so there's definitely a connectedness there and and I invite the blessings of those connections and uh, and also stand as the space for the healing of the energetic atrocities visited upon the Native Americans the Hawaiians you know we we of course have to look at the Native American circumstance from an historical point of view but many of us were alive when the American dominators criminally took over the state of Hawaii or what is now the state of Hawaii the people in the island pure pure greed and that's in our lifetime we don't have to wonder about history and whose whose story is correct we were alive when it happened so just holding the space and that's one of the things I'm appreciative of that through the teachings of this man Yeshua I've 
learned what it is to hold the space for healing for myself, for those around me. And with practice, I find I get better and better and better at doing it. Not finished yet, still have places where I lose it, as you know, pretty much everybody I know does, no matter how long the practice has gone on. And I'm appreciative of the fact that more and more people are tapping into this work that are really choosing to be part of the critical mass. The physicist Yeshua 2,000 years ago said a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. And he was talking about not bread, but rather humanity, the literal healing process, and each person who steps over the line from moving from the universal one-world religion of blame where everything that's going on in their lives is somebody else's fault into the state of responsibility and conscious creatorship. Each person that steps over that line becomes a vote for healing on the planet, for the eradication of insanity and the healing of those who would perpetrate insanity on themselves and others. Because, of course, you can't perpetrate an insanity on self, or pardon me, on another, without first putting that energy into your own field. So I'm very, very thankful for and grateful for the Aramaic teachings that we've been privileged to uncover, to have access to, and for every person, you, who have chosen to step into the space and use the tools that, you know, on a daily basis or however often you do listen to this show, that you literally bring the energy of healing. And, you know, when you realize that we live in an energetic world and we are energetic beings, that's more important than all the physical things that could ever be done is to transfer that energy from one mind to another to another until we reach critical mass and that's when it's going to shift the whole planet. That's the hope of it. So appreciative for each one of you. And we have a... Did you have any thoughts there, sweetie? I was just going to say, talking about healing the planet, uh, Tipia is actually with us in the chat room and I think she had some yes. questions on healing. Well, that's that's exactly where I was going next was to... Uh, to say that I've been communicating with a young lady from Thailand. She's done our codependence work. And she had written about some challenges she was having with her brother and was asking questions about healing and projection and what kind of process she can do to support him. We talked a little bit the other day about that, but just once again to be clear that you know, as a foundation point, first off, we're energetic beings. We are not physical beings. If we listen to Einstein, Einstein says, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy. Energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. So we don't live in a material world. So there's nothing permanent in what we call the material world. There's no condition that can't be changed if the energetic pattern behind it is changed. The energetic expression that Tippi had shared uh, about her brother was that he was experiencing some of the symptoms of schizophrenia. And 
you know, basic understanding of that state of mind is that, you know, a person has conflicting realities, conflicting output from their minds. And when you recognize that the output of the mind, perception, is always driven by goals, then recognizing this effect of conflicting realities is a result of conflicting goals. And so the place to move my offering would be one, and we talked about this a little bit the other day because you were asking the question then, but we'll see if we can refine it for you, Tipia. Uh, one is when we're not clear on our purpose, it's easy to fall into conflict with ourselves and others. And so the first order of business, the first thing I would do if he's of a mindset where he's willing and able to do that, is to look at what his purpose is, to support him in touching into who he is as a human being and what his purpose is. And the fact that we live in a culture that brainwashes us into believing that we're designed to be good commercial servants, that we allow our minds to be filled with information about a particular set of skills, and then we go about using those skills to make money, pay taxes, and die. And recovery from that is a, is a challenge to recognize who we really are as human beings, as the presence of love, and that each of us has a unique and individual way of expressing who we are. And... You know, as we talked about the other day, briefly, the primary purpose is the same for everyone, to strengthen and solidify our awareness of ourselves as spiritual beings, and then to bring our minds into harmony with the purpose we hold as spiritual beings. We do have a worksheet on the website, which you might work with him on getting him to tap into who he is, what he needs to work through, and the fact that he speaks Thai and not English, perhaps if you translate that, uh, that worksheet, if you um, working with him on it, you could send it back to us and we'll post it on the, on the website as well in Thai, along with the other work that you so wonderfully posted for us or translated for us. Once purpose is established, then to assist him in, to the degree that you can, understanding what goals do to his mind. And when he holds a goal that takes him off in one direction and then he holds a goal that takes him in another, that he needs to determine which goals are in alignment with his purpose, with who he is, and be willing to remove the conflicting goals, to cancel those goals, to, to enter into that practice. And it's a practice that, as you know from the worksheets that you've done, that one has to engage in. And it's not something our culture tends to teach us. You know, the, the culture teaches us set goals, set goals, set goals, set goals, have your daily goal, your weekly goal, your monthly, your five-year, your 10-year, your lifetime goal. And we say, don't do it. 
have only goals for what you can accomplish in the next waking period. Cancel everything else. Get rid of it. Simply canceling the goals that drive his mind to produce conflicting realities, and it might take some time for him to develop that skill. You know, you could download the app, and I know you've translated some of the work into Thai. There is a, uh, a game in the app called the Dragon Klingon Game. I don't know if we have the text of that. I suspect that probably Jeannie has the text of that in a text document that perhaps you could send to Tipia, and maybe you could translate that into Thai and start to work with him. It's a simpler approach to the forgiveness process, specifically designed for kids, but the fact that he doesn't have English as his, his first language, translating that into Thai might be a good introduction to supporting him and understanding the impact of his goals and canceling goals that conflict with who he is, what his purpose is, what his place is in the world. That will alleviate a lot of stress from his mind. You know, the fact that you mentioned he's spending a lot of time meditating, that uh, there's the Buddhist influence, which is very powerful, that that Buddhist influence of moving in the direction of compassion and using meditation as a healing tool is very powerful. And I think the forgiveness tool will simply give him another um, supportive method for healing. You'd mentioned that he's <clears throat> been given uh, different kinds of drugs, which he's not using now, but he may want to do, you may look into some detox methods for detoxing from those drugs and make sure that he's eating well and you know, drinking good clean water as a, a way to start to clean his structure, to clean his physiology. Um, you know, it's interesting in the in the it, it isn't very well recognized in the uh, human realm, but for instance, in the animal realm, if you take if you've got a dog that you want to have trained, most training schools the first thing they'll say is you got to feed them properly. If you don't feed them properly, they can't be trained. Human minds can't function properly if we aren't eating actual food that supports and nurtures our system. So things like sugar and caffeine and nicotine, junk food, need to go in order to have a solid, healthy body-mind. There's been some interesting research done in prisons where, you know, prison violence is pretty prevalent. And one of the things that they've done is just remove sugar from the prisons and saw a drop in violence. It's monumental. I don't know what kind of schizophrenia is going on. If he's you know, got any violent tendencies with it, that's often an accompaniment of it. But things like sugar, caffeine, nicotine would all be things that would be helpful to probably remove from, from his experience if he's using any of them. He had spoken about uh, you know, happiness as a, a goal for him or as a, like an issue that's going on. And... My best understanding is that happiness is something that comes from achieving a goal. You'll notice that when people achieve a goal, they're like, yay, look at that. You watch, you know, the football team scores this goal. Everybody jumps up and screams and hollers because when we have a goal and we achieve that goal, and, and unfortunately this applies even to negative goals, we get a hit of dopamine in the brain. 
And dopamine has been called or labeled as our happy powder, that when dopamine floods into the brain and hits receptor sites, that's when we get what we call happiness. We get this rush of excitement and, yay, look at this. This is great. Different than happiness is joy, and I'd say I'd offer that to the higher um, energy that one wants to go for. And joy comes from our physiology being connected to the truth of who we are as human beings, being connected to love. So love flowing through a cell is what I would define as human life. And when we have love flowing through our cellular structure, there is joy. When we achieve a goal, that adds happiness to it. But happiness tends to be a temporary and rather fleeting thing because happiness, again, has to do with dopamine. You know, you look at people who use drugs, and people who use drugs you know, they get a high. They call them their, their extreme state of excitement, and they call it high. Well, what's happening is the body is burning up its dopamine. You know, the drug is forcing that dopamine to be used, and that's why when the drug wears off, people drop down into depression and pain, and that's part of what leads to the addictive cycle. Take the drug, forces the body to burn dopamine, and ma'am, I ever happy. I'm, you know, but it's a drug high. If I utilize drugs to force that unrealistic happiness, then there comes a point where I've utilized all of the chemicals, so-called, that produce that happiness. And that's when depression happens and people get into trouble with drugs. So certainly by helping him keep on track with his goals, and, you know, it doesn't matter how big or how small the goal. I remember back in the early days we worked with a man who was severely schizophrenic. And one of the things was just for him to have the goal each day to brush his teeth. And over time, as he was able to comprehending, cancel the goals that were in conflict with what he wanted to create. And he became aware of how to set goals that were in harmony with who he was and his purpose. The schizophrenia was just simply eliminated. It's a, a condition of the mind that has a cause, and when you deal with the cause, it changes. You had mentioned the idea, Tipia, um, of your projections on him, and certainly uh, notice that when he's not fulfilling goals you hold for him, that's when your projection can become negative. And that's where your work would come in, that you do your forgiveness work, that you cancel the goals you hold for him, that resonate pain for you, and by doing that, you'll clean up your pain, and you'll better be able to stand as a space of love for him and for his healing. And so that be that would be the uh, the feedback that I have immediate immediately, 
And uh, Jeannie, are there any any questions for Tapia? Tapia, do you have any thoughts? Does that does that make sense for you? Does that fit with what you're looking for? Or is there anything else we can support you with? Go ahead, Jean. And I and I am sending you an email, Tipia, with uh, links for the printout of the Dragon Klingon, um, and also some of the other links that Michael has mentioned today too. She just wrote and she said she thinks his purpose is Nirvana, but that's not really a full purpose. Um, thinks he'll be better now that the medicine's gone, but he does not work and just look after brother. So my input would be that that would be, you know, I, as you describe nirvana or you speak of nirvana, in my case, state of that, my, my understanding of that would be similar to the early thought that I spoke of, of, of our primary purpose as, universe, as human beings, that we all have that as our primary purpose, to tap into, to become the human beings, to become the presence of love that we are. And that to me correlates to the strengthening of our spiritual body so that even if the physical body dies, we still have conscious awareness because we built that awareness in our spiritual selves, in our created selves, where most get focused on a physical life and physical stuff and, you know, life becomes about get my stuff, get money, get power, what have you, get pleasure, as opposed to developing this and solidifying our awareness of ourselves as human beings. So that I would see that as perfectly harmonious with what we've spoken of. But then on a day-to-day basis, what are the goals that he has? You said he takes care of his brothers. So what are the goals? And, and perhaps, you know, I don't know the exact circumstance, but if he's a younger brother taking care of older brothers, perhaps he feels, perhaps there are some issues around he has his own goals that he has, that he'd like to be going in some other direction. So it might take, might be helpful to look at how and why he's taking care of older brothers and does that conflict with the way he'd like to be living his life. And if it does, then cleaning up, forgiving, you know, if, if his status is going to be taking care of the brothers for whatever reasons, then if he has goals taking him in different directions, it would be probably time to start to cancel those goals and clear that out. And or if, you know, it's time for him to be doing whatever it is that he really wants to be doing, then it may be canceling some of the goals in relationship to your brothers. That may be part of what's creating the conflicting realities for him. And so we certainly hold space for healing. And would ask the question, Tippia, seeing as how you're there in the chat room with us and don't have full contact since you're in Thailand, perhaps you might just give us a quick thought or two about what you're appreciating. I know it's not thanks, or pardon me, I, I presume it's not Thanksgiving time over there. I don't know if you have a Thanksgiving celebration like we have here, but in the U.S. it's a very big holiday. It's really right up there with Christmas and New Year's that Thanksgiving time is a time for taking time to appreciate what we have 
as Jeannie just shared a, a list that she's created. And uh, uh, so we'd invite you to join us in that Thanksgiving celebration and uh, maybe share a little bit about what you're thankful for. I, I've I don't have much of a sense of what life is like for you there. I know you work in the business world and uh, in government. And uh, so, you know, maybe a little insight. Maybe there are some different uh, things that you appreciate there with your cultural uh, history and, and the culture that you live in, which is, of course, much different than ours. And so it would be sweet to hear what's... She said, thank you very much. I'm very thankful for your teaching. And thankful for the well, Aramaic forgiveness tool. And Bob well, is with I'm us from Australia. For, We're getting people yeah. from all over. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm thankful for, for the translation work that you've done and shared with us, Pipia, and the teaching that you've done of the forgiveness work of this work in Thailand. It's really awesome to have the energy moving in that direction and Bob there holding the space in Australia. Uh, and we did a Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Club uh, this weekend and we had people from Spain and England, several different states. So it was, it's pretty cool to uh, to be extending this energy globally and every time that I work with someone in another country, you know, as I'm thinking about you, Tiffy, I'm, I'm imagining li- the literal high-energy waves through which beyond our microphones and our technology, but the actual communication that takes place between us and the fact that those energies move through all space and time and touch everybody that's between you and I. So the impact of joining in the presence of love and and uh, doing the work of functioning as a presence of love is something that impacts the world. So thank you for your input and what you've done to help impact our world and, uh, and yours as well. She said she does contribute forgiveness to the Thai people and there are many people getting healed. Yay. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, any other thoughts, Tippy? Any other specific things that we can see if we can support you with? And well, Tippy, if she's writing a response, we'll certainly extend our the presence of love and healing support for you, Bob, down in Australia. Delighted that you're with us and holding the space for what you've been moving through. So any other thoughts from Tippia, sweetie? She hasn't written anything else, and she actually is okay. really early there. She had just woke up just to listen to the show today. So. It's really early yeah, for Bob, it's, too. He's I think just, it's 2 in the morning there. It's going on, you know, it's, it's a, I think she's 12 hours ahead of us or 11 hours, if I remember correctly. So it's somewhere around 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. So we appreciate you getting up to join us, Tippia. Thank you. Yeah, the well, question, Bob. can I can I just stay beside with him and not take him to see the doctor? Well, you know, I I can't really express an opinion on what his medical condition is. If he's got medical challenges, 
I would definitely you know, support you in doing what needs to be done in terms of uh, medical challenges. Uh, it's it's not something I could even form an opinion on here. I don't know what what his you know challenges are and what your skills are to be able to support him. Uh, so I wouldn't even venture an opinion on on that one, Tipia. I certainly hold the space for you to be holding a space for him and encourage him and supporting him in healing. It sounds like since he's dropped the medication, some of his symptoms have disappeared. But uh, again, that's not something I could even venture an opinion on in any way, shape, or form. Is it okay? She understands. All right, well. Anybody on the switchboard, press 1 and share what you're grateful for. Or a question you have. Our call-in number, if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, is 563-999-3581. To call that number, you're listening to the show directly, and then if you push 1, through the magic of technology, that will raise a hand in our control panel, and Jeannie will know you want to talk to us. She'll introduce you by area code, and you know if you want to remain anonymous, tell us your name is Hortense. It doesn't matter, but... Uh, Maybe share what you're grateful for. Maybe as a result of the conversation so far, some questions have come up for you, so ask your question. What's happening in your world? How can we support you? Where are you at in the use of your tools, of the tools? So, Miss Jeannie, anything else happening in the chat room? She says, it is very good for Thanksgiving today for me to talk with you again. Well, delighted to be sharing the energy with you too, Tipia. Thank you for honoring us by setting your alarm and getting up to be able to hear the show. I'm, I'm honored and blessed by it and by the work you've been doing there with these tools. It's really fabulous. that she's thankful from her heart. Our hearts join you, young lady, and your brother, and your whole family, your older brothers, just extending love in your direction and appreciation. So, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody else in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room? No, it is all quiet. We've got nine minutes. Press one. We are thankful for everybody who has joined us on this Thanksgiving day and taken time out of your day to... Something else that comes up for me that I'm really uh, appreciative of is the fact that uh, there's a ceasefire in this conflict in the Middle East between these brothers and sisters who've been in conflict for thousands of years. We certainly hold the space for 
healing in that regard, that this old family feud. And we, uh, Jeannie, I forget the name of the film. Jeannie will probably remember it, but back several months ago, we watched a film about a gentleman, true story, a gentleman who uh, had a fight with his brother and it had been 50 years since they communicated. And he found out that his brother was, you know, critically ill. And he was at such an age that, um, one, he didn't even remember what they'd fought about 50 years earlier. And he could no longer drive. Uh, he didn't have a car and he had no driver's license. But he had a lawnmower, a riding lawnmower. And he actually fixed the riding lawnmower up and drove from, I forget where it was, Wisconsin, Michigan, somewhere out here to California. Literally rode his lawnmower all the way. And the, the movie is about his journey, you know, and what he uh, went through in doing this. And, you know, I invite everybody who's perhaps got someone that once was a friend or a family member that there's been conflict with, that this might be a good time to focus on and do some meditation on what the things are that before the conflict occurred were appreciated. Because chances are that conflict will mean nothing in the end, as with this gentleman. I mean, literally, I don't know what age he was. He was somewhere it was called The Straight 70. Story. The Straight Story, yeah. I mean, Because his last name was Straight. And uh, it's. I was just bringing it up. Um, I mean, I the five-hour car drive took him six weeks, and he was seventy-three. Six weeks on a lawnmower, seventy-three. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he didn't have any remembrance of what the conflict was about. So, what if you were to just forgive the conflict with anyone and everyone you've ever had conflict with, and and step into appreciation? Whether you choose to communicate, maybe it's somebody who abused you doesn't mean you have to go jump back in and take more abuse. It might be just that you heal the wounds in you from the abuse and stand in the space of remembrance of who they are, who you are, and what you perhaps once appreciated about them and can bring back into awareness again as a, as a, a process for your healing. Again, engaging in forgiveness doesn't mean I need to go back to an abuser. doesn't mean I need to get back into a relationship. doesn't mean I need to communicate at all. It just means I go for the inside job of cleaning up the thought disorders that I hold from painful experiences. And as I free myself from those things, I can be restored to a joy that otherwise is seemingly unavailable. And oftentimes people will say things like, well, but how could I ever? Well, here's how you can. How can I ever overcome that? Here's how you can. There's a whole set of tools here. Go to your app store on your phone. Type in the words Heartland, one word, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Aramaic, A-R-A-M-A-I-C, forgiveness. There you'll find the world's only forgiveness app. You can start to apply forgiveness. And forgiveness doesn't have anything to do with them. You, know, you, you may or may not choose to pardon someone who's committed some sort of an atrocity in your life, but this isn't about doing that. I know the world calls this pardoning game forgiveness, and it's not forgiveness. It's pardoning. So if you choose to pardon someone, 
or you choose not to pardon someone, that's your business. It's irrelevant to forgiveness. The forgiveness tool is the way that you begin to address those painful realities in your own mind and drop into the root of those energies, which are oftentimes genetic, which oftentimes were inherited from our ancestors. And as we go in and clean those things up, we can free ourselves from the pain that seems to have come from a trauma that happened to us, you know, yesterday, last month, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. We can remove those energetic patterns, drop into the healing of the dynamics in the mind that have been going on generation after generation after generation. You know, one of the big challenges with healing is most everybody when they're in pain has thought disorders that puts their pain into their brain's image of others. And the truth is, short of cancel the thought, someone punching you in the nose or something like that, nobody can hurt you. But if someone with a look or a word can resonate your hurt, you can do one of two things with that. You can recognize that, wow, when you gave me that look that I perceived as hateful, that brought up a lot of pain for me. Now I'm communicating responsibly about my pain. And what I want to do is I want to access and heal my pain. Rather than having it lay there inside of me as an energy that literally on an energetic level invites person after person after person to come in and quote unquote hurt me. That is, show me my hurt. So if you say, well, I'm angry with someone. Well, I don't believe you. I don't believe you've ever been angry with anyone ever in your life. If you've been angry in your life, it's because you have anger. That's all. Anger is something that people possess and own. And sadly, in many cases, the anger possesses them. But it's not caused by anything outside of you. It's caused by the fact that you hold pain and your desire not to experience that pain leads to generating the chemistry, quote-unquote chemistry, of anger that is an anesthetic. Anger is not an emotion. Anger is an anesthetic. It's a drug. It's no different than alcohol. And when people let go of their anger, they get to start to drop into their pain. And when you drop into your pain, aware of who you are as a human being, aware of yourself as love, then you get to start to forgive your pain. And that doesn't mean you start to let your pain off the hook. That means you literally start to reach into your own mind, into your own emotions, into your own physiology, and you literally remove those energetic patterns that when they resonate, reflect in your awareness as pain. Our offering is it's time for the world to be finished with pain and trauma. It's time for each of us to take responsibility and move through our pain and trauma and be restored to the truth of who we are. And guess who you are? You are literally the reflection, the offspring, and the creation of love. That's it. I don't care what you've done. That's who you are. 
Now, of course, if you come and do it to me, I might have some different realities, and that will be my opportunity to learn forgiveness. As each of us steps into that process, gratitude becomes a much, much more natural state. So joining you in gratitude and forgiveness, in functioning as the presence of love, and inviting you to have the best year yet of your eternal life, it's an absolutely awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye.